Hello and welcome to History with Jackson. So today we are starting a brand new series of videos and this will be quite a long series. This series we're going to be looking at British monarchs from Edward the Confessor to Elizabeth II. We'll also be stopping for major events within that time. And today we're starting off with Edward the Confessor. Now throughout this series we are going to be looking at who these monarchs were, what their upbringing was like, what happened in their reign and their death and then if they were a good monarch or not. And we'll be doing that with Edward the Confessor today. So strap in, let's start at the beginning of the series and I hope you will like this series. Who was Edward the Confessor? Now Edward the Confessor was the last Anglo-Saxon king of England but also the last king from the house of Wessex. He was born in about 1003 in Oxfordshire to King Ethelred the Unready and Emma of Normandy. He also succeeded his half-brother Hathknut in 1042 and he reigned until 1066. So what was Edward's early life like? Now, Edward was known as a pious man but also as a fighter but he grew up in a very turbulent period of English history. In the early 1000s, the English crown swapped hands numerous times and he spent most of this early life in exile in France or, as Scandinavian tradition goes, fighting with his brothers to secure the English throne for the House of Wessex. He spent most of his life in exile in northern France in the lands of his mother. Now, after the death of Edward's father and brothers, many Norman nobles attempted to put Edward on the throne of England. However, his half-brother Hathcunut was supported by his mother, so he did not claim the throne in these circumstances. Hathcunut and Emma also asked Edward to support them against Godwin of Wessex and Harold I. However, he was ultimately unsuccessful in this, as he escaped to save his own life after his younger brother Alfred was blinded and murdered by Godwin. However, once Hathcunut consolidated control over England, Edward returned and returned as Hathcunut's heir. So what happened in Edward's reign? Now, Edward came to the throne in 1042 after Hathcunut suddenly died of what we think was a stroke in 1042. Edward was supported in his position on the throne by Godwin of Wessex, who was one of the most powerful nobles in England at the time. To consolidate this position with Godwin, Edward married Godwin's daughter, Edith, and she became Edward's queen. However, in 1051, Godwin had grown increasingly rebellious. He was illegally holding lands that were not his and was accused of plotting to kill Edward to claim the throne for himself. Edward then sent Godwin and his family into exile. He also sent his wife, Godwin's daughter, Edith, into a convent as part of a punishment for his father's wrongdoings. In 1052, the Godwin family returned from exile. 
but Edward was too weak to resist and was forced to return their lands and titles to them. He also brought Edith out of the convent and returned his married life with her. This showed Edward to be a rather weak and ineffectual king as he could not resist the return of his most powerful rivals. Godwin died in 1053 and his power was inherited by his eldest son, Harold, Harold Godwinson, who we know as King Harold II. Within this crisis, Edward had promised the throne to his Norman family. He had promised the throne to William, Duke of Normandy. Aside from these massive political crises and disputes in Edward's reign, he also did other things. Edward was responsible for the building of many religious establishments in England. He built Westminster Palace and Westminster Abbey and many other establishments which allowed religion to be spread to the people. Edward also established common law as he brought together all the different laws from England to create one single code. Common law is also used across many of the former empire. King Edward died in 1066, but he died without an heir. There are two theories as to why he died without an heir. The first one, which is the less plausible theory, is that Edward was, due to his piety, celibate and did not produce an heir because of that. The second theory is that despite Edward's best wishes, it just never happened for him and Edith. Now, Edward's death without an heir created a massive succession dispute. Firstly, it's thought that he promised William of Normandy the throne and that he was the designated heir to Edward. Secondly, Edgar Etling, Edward's nephew, was also thought to be the direct successor. He was the only one within the family bloodline and he was his brother, Edmunds, who was also King's son. And Edgar Etheling had been brought into the English court as a move to acquaint him with English aristocratic life at that point. Harold II, Harold Godwinson, Godwin's son, also thought that he was the heir as he had been promised the throne on Edward's deathbed. Harold Hadrada of Norway also thought that he was the heir as he was a descendant from Canute. As we can see, Edward's death caused a massive succession dispute, but what there was not a dispute on was how pious Edward was. The English lobbied for a hundred years to have Edward canonised, and in 1161, Edward became Saint Edward the Confessor, and he became England's patron saint until Edward III decided to use St George. Now was Edward a good king? Now Edward clearly did a lot. He made massive governmental reforms and a lot of these reforms are still used today by England, Great Britain and the former British Empire. And these reforms were government reforms, justice reforms and we can still see them in the common laws today. But he has been seen as a weak and ineffectual king as he allowed powerful nobles like Godwin to dominate government. Edward also failed one of the basic duties, basic requirements of kingship, 
he failed to produce a male heir. And by doing this, he plunged England into turmoil in 1066 and he ended his own royal bloodline. So yes, we can say he was a good king, but he did, from around 1050, was very weak. Now, as always, uh, I like to recommend a couple of books that I use for my research for you guys. Now, firstly, it is Gwyn's Kings and Queens, The Indispensable History of England and Her Monarchs. Now, this is a great book. It goes all the way from the very first monarchs of England, or the land that is England now, right up until Elizabeth. It's a really good sailing guide to all the monarchs of England. Secondly, uh, this is quite an old book. Uh, I'm not sure if you'd be able to get a copy of it nowadays, but it is Macaulay's History of England, Volume 1. Uh, it's got really good small information. Uh, there are paragraphs on little bits of English history. There are four, four volumes, but I found this really helpful. And then thirdly is Simon Sharma, A History of Britain at the Edge of the World, 3000 BC to AD 1603. I think this one was absolutely fantastic. And Simon Sharma did three volumes of the history of England or history of Britain. So yeah, I definitely recommend all three of those books. The links to those books will be in the description. Um, if you want to keep up with me in the meantime, please head to www.historyofjackson.co.uk and my social medias will be in the description. I hope you're looking forward to this series. I am. I think it's going to be a very big, difficult series, but I'm really looking forward to getting my teeth into it, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So thank you very much for watching. If you haven't already, please press the like and subscribe button. It really helps me out. And I will see you guys next week, where we are looking at what happened in 1066.